TE Talks with Guides is a weekly podcast for lovers of history, travel, and all things Italian. Welcome back, everybody, to TE Talks, sponsored by Through Eternity Tours. I'm your host, Rob Allen, and on TE Talks, we get to talk with some of the most fascinating people who make a living out of being wonderful storytellers. Now, today we have Costantino joining us. Ciao, Costantino. How are you? Ciao. I'm fine. Great. Lovely. Thank you. I'm so excited to have Cosentino uh, join us today because he's going to be talking about one of the favorite places for anybody who comes to Italy that they must go and see. Uh, it is the wonderful island of Capri, not Capri, but Capri uh, off of the Amalfi Coast. And uh, Cosentino and I had a lovely day together on July 25th, the day after my birthday. I was starting a wonderful vacation with some dear friends and uh, he showed us around the island. So how are you today, Cosentino? I'm fine, thank you. It's lovely to see you with a beard and uh, relaxing, I guess, uh, because you guys work very, very hard during uh, the summer months, but things are a bit slower now because we're in December, the day after Correct. the Immaculate the Conception. Correct. <laughs> Great. So, so um, I guess if you could tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, because I'm really happy with my company. We're going to be doing a lot more uh, experiences on Capri itself and promoting yeah. it. Uh, it really is a stunningly beautiful place. Uh, when you took me around, um, you know, I, I saw one whole different aspect of it. And then I later on went to see it again in October to do kind of like a, a full day around tour uh, for our destinations. video. So we've even decided because uh, Capri is so beautiful and kind of so important for so many people, we're going to be doing two different videos about Capri. Um, so tell us a little bit about who you are, and how long you have been a guide. Well, thank you for uh, asking and for uh, talking about Capri. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born uh, on the island, mm-hmm. and my family is from the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already several generations. It's uh, not easy to count. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather already was involved in tourism because he started the first uh, travel agency on the island mm-hmm. and they were the first one uh, able to sell uh, all sorts of travel tickets before the internet era so it was completely different then mm-hmm. and uh, always my parents to have been uh, involved in some touristic kind of activity and uh, so I started uh, my guide career in uh, 1996 um, I passed the test in the region Campania to become a certified uh, um, approved guide by the region Campania, sure. which is uh, the only way to be allowed to talk in uh, sites uh, of archaeological or any cultural interest as in Italy, the sure. rules are like that. And uh, so I'm very happy about my choice to start this career. I wasn't aware really mm-hmm. what was about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm uh, working in uh, four different languages and Italian. Wow. I'm certified in English, in Spanish, in Portuguese, and I'm quite good in French as well. Wow. Um, and I'm enjoying uh, guiding for uh, regular kind of tours like we did 
sort of historical, cultural, and uh, easy uh, physical uh, activity. But also, I enjoy guiding on trails and showing around more um, rural, even wild environment, which are quite interesting on the island of Capri as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I remember, well, to cover a couple of things that you mentioned, I, I remember that uh, you told me about your family and the travel agency yeah. and uh, that my father also has been working in the travel industry for for many, many years. He was very happy that I followed him in his footsteps. Uh, so, uh, yes, I, I remember that there was this kind of uh, camaraderie between us because of uh, having families been involved in the, the travel industry, although you guys have a great history of generations. Besides, uh, uh, yes, for uh, Capri locals and uh, inhabitants, uh, um, the hospitality is a very strong uh, part of the uh, culture uh, it's almost, uh, as I say, it's really part of the local DNA to host uh, guests and uh, try to make them feeling uh, well, uh, mm-hmm. you know, welcome. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, that was a, a very good thing that you did. I remember, because from the moment of the island, you know, my friends and I got off our boat, you were there to greet us and you kind of took yeah. us around, you made sure, because uh, of course, going in July, at the end of July into August is probably the busiest time of year, even during the pandemic. And I mean, I can't imagine uh, without having you what kind of experience we would have had because you were able to kind of just make sure that everything went smoothly, that we got a taxi, that everything was ready to get us where we needed to go. And then immediately you took us away, away from the crowds. Exactly. The itinerary was just beautiful. I mean, we kind of were all in good shape and, and you know, Capri is not flat by any means. It's these beautiful mountain island uh you know and and you knew that i enjoyed history i think i worked with you and lucia who's from positano about a kind of itinerary that would work well for us uh and so we went to what i was very much looking forward to was first we walked through up to uh the ancient villa jovis uh, uh which was connected to jupiter or for the emperor tiberius and on the way, I do also remember you talked about we walked around. Uh, eventually, on the way back, you showed us your home where you lived on Capri, yes. which is, yes. I think, where you're videotaping right now. So now I'm getting to see the right. out. <laughs> and uh, also that um, you were so uh, very great about the geography, about what Capri produced, uh, about the speciality of, of the lemons and, and stuff. Why don't you tell uh, some of our listeners about, about that? Like, what makes Capri so unique? Well, uh, um, the uh, lemons are uh, already characterizing uh, a pretty large area around Capri. Also, Sorrento Peninsula and the Amalfi Coast are all related with the big production and especially in the 19th century, a very big uh, export activity of lemons. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, generated uh, the uh, creation and the um, uh, marketing of uh, limoncello, as everybody knows, the famous liquor used uh-huh. as a digestive. But also it's been introduced a lot in uh, uh, some local recipes today you go around and you find 
the risotto with lemon, a lot of pastry, have lemon cream. And uh, lately, Capri has also gone back uh, with the olive oil production, uh-huh. which was stopped because uh, on the island, the tourism became so much uh, a main activity um, that some other older activity were stopped for a while. Um, this is coming back, and uh, especially Anna Capri is producing the very good quality of local olive oil. And um, besides that, we have our typical recipes that are characterized in Capri. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the best known is the insalata caprese, but uh, uh, I should say that the um, best tasting is uh-huh. the ravioli caprese. Ah, yeah. Uh, with the major and with the cacciotta cheese uh, topped with a very light tomato sauce and basil. Mm-hmm. And we have the famous Capri cake, which is the chocolate and almond cake. Uh-huh. And also there's the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the insalata caprese is, it's created there, right? Yeah. yeah so. as, as, as the local name, uh, um, the history of the insalata caprese is for the pizza, is for the pasta, is... Uh, gets lost in the in the time and in the history, but definitely the mozzarella and uh, tomato with basil has always been called the salad. Yeah, yeah, it is the perfect time. I mean, the tomatoes are just so delicious with the mozzarella, and the, I mean, it's such a beautiful. Not to forget that uh, the island is also producing a very good quality of perfumes. Uh huh. If you're aware about Cartusia factory, uh huh. Actually, able to market their uh, to sell their products also abroad. So I'm pretty sure that some uh, very good perfume store in the United States also is able to uh, sell some Cartusia perfumes. So is Cartusia perfumes a beautiful store that's in the middle of Capri, but you also have it in Positano and Sorrento, and then I think there's even one in Rome now as yeah. well. And you may find some store also, even in some airports, like in Naples Airport, in Rome yes. Airport, I'm pretty sure, yes. And uh, they have a good uh, distributors around the world, including in the U.S. Yes, yes. So, I mean, these products that uh, Italy produces, like this uh, this perfume, it's just, uh, they always seem to be at such another level or... Um, Come si faceva una volta, like how, how things were done back in the in the in the olden days. Like you know, I mean, just say uh, the Italians have such a beautiful attention to the packaging, to the detail. Like when you buy a product, like a beautiful perfume bottle. And I remember the store specifically in Capri because I saw it in the second time I came back. Uh, it was really really beautiful because it had a little fountain in the front of it. The factory by the Caesar Augustus Garden. Exactly, that's where we were. That's where we were. Yes. yes, and we got we got to go into the garden too, which was uh, wonderful. I, I got to take a peek at it. Um, so, uh, just I guess you know, I mean that that's that's wonderful with the packaging and the beautiful and and the perfumes and a bit of a, of the island and you guys living on the island and having a home there and working. You work just basically. I, I know that, uh, and I think I've mentioned this in my other podcast that 
you know, a lot of times it, you know, I'm a guide of Rome, so I'm uh, a guide for really La Provincia di Roma. Uh, and so, but but we normally stay a few day trips outside of Rome, but we stay in Rome. But what's unique about the guides of Campania is that you guys just have to go everywhere. You know, sí. they go to Naples, they go to Pompeii, Herculaneum, Paestum, Capri. But I think, do you guys stay most, do you stay mostly or able to work mostly on the island of Capri? Personally, I always love uh, to be a tourist and to travel a lot. Uh-huh. And so when this job, uh, among other things, was giving me the chance to move more around the area, I always preferred to not just do Capri, but also to for myself to extend my activities in Pompeii, in Ercolanium, rather than Naples. I tend to hike a lot on the Amalfi Coast and Sorrento Peninsula. Um, definitely um, these days, as you have seen with family <laughs> and uh, commitments, I always try now to find a job uh, in within my area to be sure. able and come back in, in within that's, that's now the point so whatever I can get in that uh, time frame I still like to get because uh, I think uh, that uh, is worth uh, um, working and showing around Escabri also Pompeii and Naples uh, mm-hmm. uh, when you touch uh, different topics also deeper into some topics as archaeology rather than history um, this also gives a uh, rather better plus uh, to when I'm doing just Capri. Mm-hmm. Because I can always, uh, all the time, relate, like we did Villa Jovis, which is the most important archaeological site on the island. Mm-hmm. And of course, having the, uh, let's say, background working extensively also in other sites, very important, such as Pompeii and Bercolanium, mm-hmm. really is. Um, I think um, improving uh, um, also the experience of simply visiting Villa Jovis, where uh, unfortunately, um, really, I must say, there are uh, so few remains that if you are not able to build up with some explanation uh, around, um, it it really makes a difference. And um, you, (laughs) you actually... Uh, should already invite you to say that. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, when you when we went up there, though, I mean, what's so magnificent about? I mean, ruins in and of themselves can be, uh, especially if people do know about the history. But for others too, because I remember traveling to Italy for the first time, uh, oh God, in 1996, and that's what 26 years ago, maybe. Um, Am I doing my math right for 25, 25 years ago? Uh, but it, it's like these things can be have their own romantic, suggestive thing, uh, kind of feelings in a place. But, you know, I think they become even more exceptional uh, when they're in a dramatic setting. And I really have enjoyed recently uh, this idea of uh, physically challenging tours because not a lot of people, I think, go to Villa Jovis all the time because you have to do a lot of walking. But through that, we got to cover so much of the island, or at least that section of the island. And then you arrive and, and it's in one of the most dramatic settings. You know, I mean, you have the most stunning views, some of the most, well, Capri, everywhere you go, there are stunning views. Exactly. But, you know, uh, and then we walked around and then, you know, reading about the history and about Tiberius throwing off his 
lovers from the hills when he tired of them, you know, and dropped into the depths of the water. Uh, that was all very uh, fascinating to me. But then I remember specifically after we had done that day, because it was really hot and we were, you know, sweating. And but I mean, I, I really enjoyed that. But what we when we were done with that, you suggested because our next stop was going to be the Villa Lysis, right? Lysis. OK, so uh, you said, well, we can walk down where we came or why don't we go down through the woods to get to it. That was for me, that was fantastic. I think you understood that we were able to physically handle the challenge. It was wonderful to me. And uh, tell me then uh, about that second villa. How does it contrast to the ancient ruins? Like we went from the ancient ruins to what? What did we get to see that day? Well, uh, the uh, idea was to show you on a regular July day, the beautiful side of the island uh, mm -hmm. without many people around and still being able to enjoy um, areas uh, like the residence area that we walked through to reach the villa. Mm -hmm. It's still characterized by beautiful villas and nice gardens uh, and very nice setting. And then uh, um, from the Roman ruins, we went on to the early touristic age of Capri mm -hmm. and uh, to visit one of the first villas that foreigners have been building all around the island mm -hmm. and also one of the most dramatic. In fact, uh, the will of uh, uh, Count Jacques Daversfeld was actually to emulate uh, the Emperor Tiberius and uh, this is why he only accepted whatever Villa Jovis about this villa. And this yeah. is why Villa Lysis ended up with Villa. And uh, so this is why he was around. But then uh, we are uh, in the beginning of the 19th century and uh, is when uh, rich Europeans were traveling around Italy to come to the school with the archaeological uh, findings uh, to see the beautiful galleries, the Caravaggio paintings, and the Grand Tour uh, generated what became tourism today. And uh, some of those travelers uh, eventually, as person, ended up choosing spending the rest of his life on the island, mm -hmm. emulating the beers. So we were still uh, uh, around the same, uh, how can I say, atmosphere. Mm -hmm. but, postponed uh, many centuries uh, in another uh, nice time for uh, civilization and mm -hmm. for, uh, in those days. Uh, mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, is uh, uh, wealth getting the chance uh, to enjoy the island at its best. Mm -hmm. uh, so much that he was able to choose uh, to build a beautiful villa built in the Liberty style, mm. perched over a cliff uh, with amazing views and total control of the angle of the island, but also on the two bays that you can spot from Capri, Naples in the north, Salerno mm. with the Amalfi Coast in the south, and um, just to have uh, a very indulgent life Again, sure. uh, trying to emulate the emperor, and so just trying to 
you know, the laziest. As one does. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so to, to, to be clear then, so people can kind of understand, I guess, you do have, because uh, people, I've done some other podcasts, I have a wonderful one with uh, one of our guides, Thomas, talking about the Grand Tour coming to Rome. I mean, the Grand Tour of these aristocrats. So these are very wealthy individuals coming from Germany, France, but specifically England, I think. In England, they were coming. Was middle Northern European. Yes. And this became, uh, at first, I believe, uh, um, a way to know Italy. But uh, um, many did the Grand Tour uh, because it was a way for the youngsters of the European aristocracy to end um, education mm-hmm. uh, life. So after graduated, uh, the way to become a perfectly educated gentleman mm-hmm. was to also know the ancient history, the classic yeah. cultures, and this is why they were actually sent by their families to mm-hmm. travel through Italy. The luckier ones were getting to Greece, even to Egypt. So the Grand Tour could last at from whatever, from one year up to three years, they were uh, not traveling alone, these young uh, European gentlemen. They would mm-hmm. usually come with someone entitled by their family to follow them, mm-hmm. uh, put more insight in the education they were coming to, to get. Uh, but then, as person, uh, many other uh, fell in love with the areas they visited. In fact, first visited Cabin the first time when he was only 18 years old. He yes. was not actually doing a classic grand tour, but he came to Italy uh, with the entire family, with his mother, with his sister. So it was not a, a classic grand tour, but um, um, he came from uh, Naples with mm-hmm. um, a rich Neapolitan uh, handsome man. Uh-huh. And, uh, to visit the island for the first time, sure. to spend the day or uh, just a short time visit. And um, this is when he witnessed um, the scandal that Oscar Wilde gave when he tried to get a room in the Quisisano Hotel. Yes, I think you told me about that. Out, um, mm-hmm. He came to Cabri soon after he came out from jail. Uh, mm-hmm. He was not so much. Uh, um, well accepted by all the other guests of the hotel. So yes. actually, the general manager of the Guisisana was pretty much forced mm-hmm. to, to don't give uh, Oscar Wilde uh, a room. So he had to change uh, option and choose another place to stay. Mm-hmm. And first, uh, send him flowers uh, as to be, he was sorry. <laughs> he was sorry. Yeah. With and so. A sense of solidarity with him, I guess. Uh, so he left the Capri shortly after, uh, probably with this handsome Neapolitan rich guy at uh, his first encounter uh, or important history. Mm-hmm. And uh, this made him love very much uh, his memory of the island of Capri. Mm-hmm. And so from this point, you know, because like, uh, like just so to reiterate for people, because in those time periods, homosexuality was even considered a, a mental disease or it was illegal. But you, you have these aristocrats who could come into a situation that's maybe not like, don't ask, don't tell. You know, you'd say, okay, it's fine that you have this certain behavior, but it cannot be, 
expressly uh, said, but Oscar Wilde was known to be this because he was already in jail for being. Yeah, correct. Uh, correct. So then he, you're saying he was not accepted at the hotel and that the um, the owner of Villa Lysis uh, was, gave him flowers uh, in this situation. So it's a place that's a, a kind of seclusion, outstandingly beautiful. And you, tourism doesn't come until the grand tour. Before then, Capri was known as a kind of fishing island. Uh, well, there were not many people living. Mm-hmm. There were not many people visiting. Uh, the quality of life uh, was very poor back then. Uh, actually, uh, locals struggled to get uh, food and money uh, to around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were hunting, fishing farming. Mm-hmm. This was it, basically. But really, very few hundred inhabitants were around the island. Uh, Anna Capri didn't have a road yet to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could just walk on the Phoenician steps. Ah, yes. With all the 800 whatever steps there are to reach Anna Capri from the Arbor. And uh, very few buildings. Mm-hmm. And then the first uh, tourists used to come to Capri mostly during the winter time, uh-huh. as they were mainly Northern European, and mm-hmm. they were spending a mild winter on the island. Yes. And sometimes they were going back in the summertime because Capri was getting too hot, and they were finally able to enjoy some decent weather back at home. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. only... After World War II, we changed and switched into freedom mm-hmm. as we intended today, mm-hmm. but in many different aspects. Also, um, the touristic market, the offer, uh, the infrastructure, sure. uh, many different things changed uh, uh, from World War II on. Mm-hmm. The fact that the um, mission avalanche took place in Salerno Bay as uh-huh. One of the three main landing operations of the Allies in, in, in Italy in sure. the end of World War II. Uh, mm-hmm. This also had uh, Capri popularity uh, because, by chance, uh, uh, the same hotel, Missisana, but also the Punta Tragara, mm-hmm. uh, were both confiscated by the Allies and they both became uh, resting uh, place for the high officers of the British and the US Army. So this made it happen that uh, Winston Churchill was on the island um, mm-hmm. and um, Eisenhower was on the island back then. So, uh, so these various things and events that happened that affected and, the history. And so later on, uh, the Kennedys and uh, all the oh, yeah. jet sets started frequenting this beautiful uh, uh, little Mediterranean island. And, yes. Um, Tourism really started becoming what uh, we can still uh, pretty much experience today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, and I also I was thinking about the other thing that it's like an ideal place for gardens to be and that the British kind of brought their techniques of gardens, their styling of the gardens within an Italian context, which makes it uh, a truly breathtaking uh, wherever you go. And uh, of course, Villalisis was just magnificent because you have this you know, liberty architecture in and of itself is just really, really beautiful. But then you walk to it and you admire it, but then you turn around and you look and there's about three 
terraces, one lower to the other, with the whole view of the port out in front of you. It, it, it's it's just truly uh, breathtaking, uh, stunningly beautiful. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it was just uh, wonderful. Um, I guess what I also wanted to say is I remember other things on, on that day that we took with this Taste of Capri is that we we saw uh, a, a pony in this like secluded off part of the path getting back down because we walked to there was this lovely little pony that we all kept on thinking about because it was the sweetest thing that came up to us and uh, uh, he was fenced off he seemed to be a little lonely and then I think one of the most beautiful memories that we had or I had was that you know, and it's funny because people, you guys can't see what we're watching, but, uh, you know, in Constantino's house, his daughter has been walking back and forth behind the screen. Um, and you saw, you said, oh, this is my daughter. She had just came out of school, you know, and she came up and she gave you a big hug. I mean, it was just so sweet. Uh, and then you get to see, you know, the people who live on the island. This is how they live. And, and that 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 true moment uh, with your family was uh, lovely to 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 really experience. And then you even got us over to Ana Capri. Uh, now, can I ask you, because I remember you brought up the, the, the Phoenician steps because the ancient Phoenicians had used Capri at some point. And when were those, when was that staircase made? Allora, the staircase was made uh, probably around the 5th century before Christ. Wow. And uh, the only reason why as, uh, such a name as Phoenician staircase was probably the technique that was used to, to make it. Ah. simply carving the steps uh, in the side uh, of uh -huh. the roof. As you can still see today in some Phoenician areas, uh -huh. it's uh, the western side of Sicily, around uh, Erice and Trapani, uh, uh -huh. where uh, there used to be uh, Phoenician settlement and colonies. Capri uh -huh. never had uh, such a frequentation. Uh, there were uh, very much probably trading activity going on as with Greeks, as with Phoenicians, but uh, it ended up uh, carrying that name still today uh, for no reason. <laughs> but uh, it's a Greek, it's a Greek, ancient Greek staircase. Ah, well, it's, it's lovely. And the thing is that if anyone, and I always recommend for everybody, stay there as long as you can. Don't just do a day trip. If you can stay overnight or if you have a boat that you can stay in, because you see the staircase is lit up at night. And it's a very uh, long, long staircase. Guys, Capri is very, very high up. I mean, uh, and I even got to go to the summit, which I'll tell you about in a second. Um, but uh, how, what can I say this? Have you walked up the staircase yourself? Many times. Ah, there we go. You said you like to hike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There are actually some uh, groups that are including uh, those steps in their itineraries. Uh -huh. And when they decided to do that, I got to walk them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I remember uh, that uh, throughout my life, I've been uh, walking them up and down because uh, before I moved into this house that you saw by the Mayoris, I mm -hmm. used to live in Anacabri until December 2019. And ah, okay, wow. Um, for instance, when I was at school and there used to be a football match, every single the football field was done by the Sure, yeah, yeah, by where there's and a football field. The easiest and funniest way to get down there was to walk the steps down and 
later on back up. I mean, was, oh my God, after you play the game. Way and the quickest way with the, at school time, you know. <laughs> my God, there's a workout in and of itself going up and down those uh, staircases. Um, but we actually are able to do a good uh, daily mileage average uh, oh. just for the environment we have around. We are uh, pretty much uh, forced to have this uh, walking mileage today. Perfetto, perfetto. Uh So we've talked about the Phoenician staircase. Can you talk about what is the highest point of Capri, the summit? You know, just so people have an idea when I'm saying that it's really high with these sheer cliffs. Is Monte Solaro. See. Monte Solaro reaches 2,000 feet. 2,000 feet, which is nothing. 89 meters, which is roughly 2,000 feet. Oh my God, I cannot tell you. So when I came back, because you know you cannot do it uh, all in a day, uh, I came back uh, with uh, uh, the guy who films with me, Dylan, and uh, he's done this before, but he knows actually I'm kind of scared of heights. He's like, Rob, don't worry about it. We're going to go on the summit and there's a ski lift that takes you up there. He had, did not tell me. It's like this little individual swing <laughs> with like a bar that you could pick up yourself and drop off. I was like, terrified he's like look at the view and i was looking to the ground looking up to the left but once you get up to the top it was uh very very beautiful but i mean like i said on billy yovis up on the summit you know everywhere you look is uh completely stunning and i mean i guess you know you've been to other places um you know i mean the water the water uh, in this area of capri is exceptional everywhere you go it's just that what you think of okay this is mediterranean blue you know we went on a boat ride around the island um let me just ask you to finish up what we were talking about um what do you think because for me i i was there in july uh at the end of july and then i came back in uh mid to late october i think it was like the third week of october completely different experiences for me yeah What would you say? What is your favorite time? What would you recommend people if they you really want them to get a taste of the best to see Capri and its best like considering crowds and whatnot? When, when would you say would be a good time to go? You are, uh, you are uh, making clear that uh, it's worth coming and spending uh, more than one day. Yes. Uh, because uh, that way, either you come uh, in June, July, whatever, October, you have the chance to avoid, if it's July, the crowd in the lift. Uh, you have the chance to have a good day at sea, even if you come in October, because if you have more than one chance, it's more likely you're going to get lucky on a flat day for a given activity. And uh, say that uh, always the end of May, beginning of June, and then uh, second part of September, and depending on how lucky you are, first part of October, I consider the best time. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was... You, can, you can say, you can tell that even coming uh, in mid and July or whatever other time, If you uh, know the way around, you can still uh, escape the crowd, enjoy sure. the site, uh, have uh, a full picture also on the resident kind of 
aspect because uh, a local guide, uh, as you, you confirm, is the way to to take the best uh, the place, no matter what time of the year you come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It kind of shows you uh, the best kind of way to put places in the best light. And, you know, that's what I always say is it's so worthwhile because you want to have a wonderful experience, um, you know, and, and seeing it again and again. Now, I have to say, probably even spending time sleeping, staying in a hotel in Capri, because a lot of people go back and forth from Sorrento. So it kind of fills up and then it leaves. So it's probably even even lovelier at night because it's not as as, as busy. Um but yeah, it was wonderful. The day that we had in October also was just so wonderful. I remember we were at the Gardens of Augustus uh, and then uh, we had a beautiful cocktail and we were just completely by ourselves. Uh, if, the, if the opportunity yeah. if we have uh, is to come to spend just one day, then uh, that would be nice uh, in the very beginning of the season or at the very end. Yes. Yes. Because exactly. that is when the problem in coming to spend just one day to Capri mm -hmm. is that uh, ninety percent of Capri visitors do that the same way. So yeah. it's very likely that you're going to find many people coming at the same time of the day to spend sure. this time on the island and go yeah. back with you. And so yeah. uh, this is why is uh, more challenging to avoid the crowd because you are actually doing a, a sort of routine of tourists. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, because I mean, you, your mom would think that, uh, you know, you said, you know, people used to spend two or three months or a year on a grand tour so they could spend more time. We don't have that luxury, but it is so worthwhile to do more than a day, two days, three days, because you can see the site and then you could also relax. I got to go also to Anacapri. I looked because uh, Rick Steves mentioned there was a beautiful church with the uh, lovely tiles that you have. But I guess what I have to say is it's so funny living in, in London right now, it's December, it gets dark at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon and it's cold and it's wet that my heart is just thinking about like listening to you about the beautiful weather, the color of the water. Yeah, yeah, but uh, your you know, yeah. our weather has been really poor too for the last <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> right now, yes. With the time. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But the memories of it is what fills my heart. You know, this is why people, this is why Capri is so famous because I think even if you're there for a day, people, it sticks with people. It's it exceptional. It's like, you know, I mean, you don't see things no, it like is. It is. It is. I confirm that. Yeah, I know. There was a guy who has a boat company that we were possibly working with, and he does a few boats, and he's a young guy, and of course, he's great. He's got blonde hair, and he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, the winter. I, I go, I work my butt off until October, and then I'm off to South America, or I go to Cuba for three months. And I was like, that's the life. This is what I got to do. I got to go to Cuba for three months in the winter, and then go back to Capri. <laughs> anyway, this, this happens, yeah. This, oh, we got a little super boy there, too. <laughs> That's my little super boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Anyway, uh, Cosentino, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your home and your family with us. Please tell them I said hello. And uh, I would look forward to seeing you again soon because I can't wait to get yes. back to Capri. Thank you for uh, contacting me. Thank you for. Uh, 
this opportunity. And uh, yes, I hope to see you soon. You and all your friends. Yes, exactly. And for every one of our listeners, if you enjoyed this uh, podcast and you have any question for me or for Constantino, uh, please write back to us at office at througheternity.com. And if you do want to book a tour with Constantino, because he is an original, authentic Caprian, a guy from Capri who is a guide of Capri, who will show you a wonderful day, please uh, reach out to us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate the podcast, give us five stars and write a review because all of that helps us out and helps get the word out for us to let other people know about all this free content that we're giving you guys. Thank you all very much. Ciao, Consentino. Ciao, everybody. Ciao. Buon Natale. <laughs> Buon Natale. Thank you for listening to our TE Talks with Guides. We have a new episode every Wednesday. Please subscribe to get an alert when each podcast comes out. Rate us and tell people how you enjoyed it and share it on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Most importantly, if you enjoyed it, send us a feedback about the show. Also, if you are curious about what some of these people and places we talked about look like, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch the video on this podcast where we have inserted special images for you to further enjoy the story. 